Look at this. Yo, look, look at him. Hmm. This is Chicago's favorite son right here. Oh, something like that. At least this week. Uh, yes. The whole best bartender thing. But yeah. The, 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 sheen, the sheen on that is already going away. You know, it was like yeah. really cool when you first get that announcement. And it's like, yeah, so what? <laughs> I, you know what? I'm still soaking it in it for you because so like welcome to Red River podcast. Uh, you know, Mike Vanderbilt, man. Yo, so. I've been. Hey, a do huge... you need me to? Do you need me to record anything on my end? No, I mean, okay. I don't think so. Yeah, we'll be fine. So I love the Halloweenies podcast. So there, <laughs> there was there was a one time where me and that dude Mike Moran were on a podcast together. Remember? And like you oh, were, yeah. we were supposed to do one, and I, I was like, yo, I'm like, I fucking love this dude. I, I, I couldn't wait. And then like for some reason, like your scheduling was off and, and it didn't happen. So well, as you as you can see from our text thread, I was very particular about making sure that I got the eastern and central time zones, uh, you know, set because that has messed me up on more than one occasion. And I should be good at it by now. And eastern and central aren't that hard to do, but I'll still. <laughs> I'll yeah. still fuck it up sometimes. Yeah, it's it's an hour, and, and it's funny because uh, who did I do that with? I, we had on Sergey from the band Sam I Am, and it was the same thing. Like he, like he, he's like on the West Coast. He's like, holy shit, I have no idea. I thought I was like, you know, like he was off by like almost like twelve hours. We had on Anthony Hickox, you know, the director. Oh, of- my favorite, one of my absolute favorites. Really? I've never gotten to speak to him, but. He is somebody who I would love to chat with one day. Like, I'm really hoping we get to do wax work yes. on uh, Halloweenies one day. Because that's one of my absolute favorites. Okay, so here, here's the funny thing, right? So I wanted to talk to him, and we're a bunch of nobodies. But I knew somebody who knew him. So I was like, yo, I was like, can I get his email? And he's like, yeah, no worries. Like, he put me in touch with someone, and he gave the okay. He's like, yeah, give him my email. So he's in Romania right now, and I couldn't believe it. I'm like, holy shit. Because, like, just like you, wax work. Even today, it still really holds up. It like um, it yeah, holds I up. It, I screened it as a double. I programmed a double feature at the uh, Music Box of Horrors drive-in this year with House of Wax, the Paris Hilton one. <laughs> yes, so I remember it, that post. Yeah. House of Wax up first, Wax work up second, and most of the crowd was there for House of Wax, which is a pretty good. I it's mean, pretty decent. It's pretty. That second half is great. Yeah, uh, very imaginative. So, but nobody'd seen Wax work, and. Most of it, I guess I'd say 75 to 80 percent of the cars stuck around. And when it ended, I uh, the, the driving showings that I've been at for that, I'd never heard a response of just honking at the end of that movie. Because yeah. like for guys like us, waxwork seems like, yeah, everybody saw waxwork, right? Yeah. But for people a little bit younger than us, that's a deep cut. And it, it truly delivers, like you it- said. Yeah, it really does. Like, cause I, I, so I knew we were going to have him on all this other shit and, and I, I dipped into his catalog and, uh, I watched that and the, the sequel and these movies are just like, I mean, the only thing that stunts the sequel is probably the budget because the imagination was there, you know, and like, the lack of Deborah Foreman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I think there was a story behind that, too, for sure. But uh, so funny story about him was we talked all this shit. We talked some cool. Yo, we had him on for like an hour. Mad cool. Uh, he, he talked about his Steven Seagal movie, which he directed. And which one was that? He did a movie in 2005 called Submerged with Seagal. Oh, yeah, that was that was long after I tuned out of Seagal. Me, too. <laughs> yeah, me, too. Yeah, because we, we all like we all tuned out like probably once. So we remember that straight to video was the kiss of death because we're all right. basically the same age. Uh, so once those guys started releasing stuff that, you know, I think it was like post like under siege like somewhere around like 99 glimmer man i think glimmer man might be the last one that i was i i i, I cared about okay yeah yeah so this was like yeah, this, right around that time this was like years after and, and anthony said that after making that movie yeah he told such a great story too i after making the movie that he wanted to quit directing that's how hard it was to deal with seagal and i was just i couldn't you know to me like i wasn't goading him but like you always hear these stories about what it's like to work with him and it you know because yes. we're big you know on stern like you're you're a stern guy right yes. kind of Baba Booey to you all. Thank yeah. you very much. But like when Schneider was on, Rob Schneider was on, and he tells that story. And oh, I don't know if I know this one. Oh, it's so funny. So like uh, Rob Schneider was on. He was telling all these really funny uh, Seagal movies. 
uh, stories. And, and one of them was that he went into his dra- his trailer and he was reading something and he looks up at Rob Schneider. He's like, I just read the best script I've ever read in my life. And he was like, who wrote it? He's like, I did. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just such a funny thing that like to this day, like when I'm at band practice and like we write a song that I love, like my bass player, my bass player, like he's just like, let me guess. You wrote the greatest song ever. <laughs> you just heard it. So but uh, yeah. So anyway, long story short, Anthony Hickok's episode got lost because I never hit record. Oh, yeah. I know. Yeah. Similar, similar case. I did that Epic Film Guys podcast two weeks ago. Oh, yeah. The reason I was like when you guys I got right on the horn with you, I asked if I needed to record anything because. I didn't record my di- my my track and they don't record a backup. Oh. So I so I said, send me your tracks, guys. I dropped them in the garage band and I just kind of tried to recreate what I thought I might have said. Oh, wow. So what happened? It worked. It worked. You know, but what, what? How did they lose your track? There never was one. Uh, they should have reminded <laughs> not bad mouth or anything. They should have reminded me as we were starting to record to hit record on my garage band, but they, they didn't, they were just kind of rushing to get into it because they don't record a zoom. They use like a different, Oh, and they, so like with Halloweenies, we record a zoom track, but then everybody records a garage band track and then somebody edits it together. And the his garage band track just sounds a little bit better. I can't tell the difference, but in a pinch, it, we at least have the zoom track. No. And, and I used to, before we started doing zoom, I used to do it on garage band. Like we would go, we would hang out. Like this show really just started with me and Brian up there hanging out. Like he's got <laughs> all that paraphernalia for sure. Uh, like we, we would just go. I'm and- noticing the, uh, the ultimate warrior, uh, wrestling yeah. Oh, yeah. Buddy, yeah. Cause I had a, I had a Hulk Hogan one. Nice. For yeah, sure. Those, have- I thought those were the coolest things. And somebody, somebody on my Twitter feed just got, uh, a Knicks player. Like they were, because they made basketball ones too. And, I think he paid a lot of money for it, but it was like that <laughs> thing that he wanted since he was a kid and now he's grown. So he got it. Yep. That's him. That's the way to go. <laughs> he got my pet monster over there somewhere oh, too. Yeah. Right. My, yeah. We have, we had a, my pet monster growing up and I think he, we got, he got lost in a flood or something. Cause my sister definitely ended up buying a new one for yeah, himself. M- my friend, Frank, who lives in San Diego, he actually called me and it was at a flea market and he found one still in the box. Holy com- mackerel. Completely unopened. And he goes, uh, he goes, yeah, he goes, this guy wants a hundred bucks for it. Is that a good price? I said, fucking buy it, ship it, whatever you need <laughs> me to do to fucking get that thing. I remember I was gonna say a hundred, hundred bucks. That's, that's good. That's yeah. fair. Yeah. So when when we first started doing the podcast, one of the the funniest things that he had, I remember the first episode. Do you remember what it was that 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 thing that you showed me? It was no. saw. It was saw. Oh, the dental floss. floss. He has dental floss from saw. Saw. Like it was, was a promo. Saw three. Yeah. Saw three dental floss because uh, <laughs> I was at Monster Mania one year and uh, I sat down next to the director and I had no clue who he was. And uh, we just started. Who is that? Bu- that is that that Darren Bowsman guy? Yeah, and we just started yeah. bullshitting. And I guess rather than like giving me his business card, he gave me some dental floss. I was like, "Oh, cool, man! I'll yeah. check it out." Yeah, that was great. But uh, it's funny. So the Epic Films guys, those guys are fucking great. We know they're a J- trip. I liked them. I had a good time with them. Guys. Yeah, they're they're they like that dude. I think his name's Justin. Like he put yes. he, yeah, he's he put together. You know, like we're we're, we're a slacker podcast. Um, like the shit that he created, it's just like, I'm like, wow, you, you really, you, you put some time into this and they do very well. So well, that's the thing. That's what was great about Halloweenies is that I just kind of came in on the back end. So I got to do my research and I got to record. There's no editing or any of that, other. but the research is a lot of work, but like, I'd rather do that than have to, cause Windy City, I edit, but I do very little. Oh, <laughs> I, Windy, I Windy dropped, City. Yeah. Yeah. I dropped the music in and I cut out the parts where I sound stupid. <laughs> I used to do that. Well, but I leave the parts too. in when Adam does. But <laughs> so Windy City is a cool concept. Like, tell you tell us what, exactly what Windy City is, right? It's like a. So the Windy City double feature picture show is a, a pod- double feature. Uh, was a podcast uh, that. So during the pandemic, I, I started talking to this guy, Adam Carson, who I'd never met before. I never, never met him in person. And. Uh, he. This guy, you know who Mike McPadden is, the author of Yeah, 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 movie for Hell, sure. Yep, yep. Movies. Yep. Uh, he was friends with Adam. He was friends with me. 
And he told Adam, you need to hook up with this Mike Vanderbilt guy. Cause I think Mike McFadden was tired of the two of us, like bothering him. Cause he was like, you know, you're about 10 years older than me. So he was like a cool uncle that you could talk to and whine yeah. about stuff and ask for advice. And he put us together and Adam's like, well, I have this concept. And then he pitched it to me and I was like, well, I think we can streamline this and turn this into something. And uh, then we did. And it's great. And we finally met in person. Uh, we started recording in, you know, October of 2020. I think we finally met in August of 2021, like in person. And that's that's weird. But I, I really do enjoy doing the show because it's a, we pick a double feature that played the Chicagoland area and then give a little history of the theater, the movies and what else was playing around town, what else was going around uh, going on in Chicago at that time. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I love that concept. Um, but, you know, Halloweenies to me. So when Justin and Mackenzie, right? Uh, I, for, I forget the other guy's name. It's Justin McKenzie, Mike Rothman. Ma- yeah, and, Mike. Uh, Dan, Dan Caffrey, the yep. heart, the heart of the Halloweenies podcast. When they started doing it, like for me, Halloween is like my favorite franchise. You know, it's just it. it, it it's just great. Like when I look at pound for pound, the movies that I enjoyed the most, aside from five, which is offensive and, and eight, which is arguably the worst, uh, you know, horror movie sequel of all time, <laughs> um, you know, it, but even five still has some redeemable qualities. Five I, is better than eight. No question. No question, because there's still some things about five where it's like, you know, I. They're trying to keep up with the mythology. And I I mean, I've talked about it. I talked about it on a little bit on uh, the confessional pod where I like that concept of the man in black. Me too. Uh, Before I really know all the thorn stuff. It's just who is this guy? It's cool. It's weird. The prison breakout is 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 great. Uh, And, you know, and I don't want to say it's squandered in six because six, not even six isn't bad. Eight to your point. Eight is the worst. But six, I'm a six apologist because I feel like even though everything didn't land in six, I feel like they did the best they could with the mess that they were left with in five. Oh, I, I absolutely, I absolutely agree with it. And I kind of miss those days where when you're doing a horror sequel where you had to kind of see what they did the last time and you would try to, you know, squeeze into that mythology versus now where it's like, oh, we're just going to do a whole new thing. Throw that all out the window. Yes, yeah, exactly. And, and, and I think at a certain point, they, they worked themselves into a corner, obviously, where they couldn't really, you know, they couldn't really continue. And, and I get it. That's something I love about the Phantasm movies is that and it's because they're all Don Coscarelli, except for the last one. But Coscarelli was involved where each the ending is always like daring himself. Well, how are you going to get your characters out of it this time? Yeah. Like he's yeah that- challenging himself. And I always appreciated that. I love like I'm late to the phantasm stuff like that was a franchise that I went into probably in the last few years. And to me, like the third one is my favorite. But Parker, you, you're you're a phantasm guy, right? I'm a phantasm, too. I love I mean, when I first saw that four barrel shotgun, I was like, holy shit, let's party, man. Absolutely. I think three is my favorite sequel, but the first remains my my favorite of the series. But they're all pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, you join Halloweenies, and then uh, I think there's like four seasons. I know that you wanted to talk about uh, kind of the, like the fifth season, which is going to be the Evil Dead. And I got to ask you. So to me, like I see Parker wearing that that sweatshirt. I never really considered Evil Dead Two a sequel because I feel like it's kind of like a, it's the same story retold, but it's just such a it's a perfect movie. I think like we did like a poll and I think we all basically said that might've been the greatest, uh, you know, horror movie of maybe we picked 87. I don't remember what it was. And 87 was a banging year, but like, do you consider evil dead Two like a sequel? So when I was a kid, like I would, you know, I, and I, and even today, it's kind of fun to like, we were talking about, you know, do backflips essentially to get the mythology to work when you're dealing with horror sequels. So <laughs> yeah. I always, I always liked the concept of, because when it started, Evil Dead 2 was supposed to be a direct sequel, uh, but they weren't able to get the rights to show the footage of the original Evil Dead in their film. Because uh, I think they were tied up probably with New Line Cinema, and they were doing that through Renaissance films with Dino De Laurentiis. So they couldn't get the right, which is why they added all that stuff. With, and then they kind of streamlined it. They didn't make it a group of college kids. They made it Ash and his girlfriend. Because if you do edit, if you were to edit Evil Dead and into Evil Dead 2 and cut out all that stuff, 
it works as one continuous, very long movie, okay. I think. So I do consider it to be a true sequel. But it was funny you mentioned it because we'll probably end up talking about this on the show. I got to find this. There is a uh, there's a Twitter account out there. I'm going to name it. I'm going to find it right now because I just that called Darkverse 7. It's called Official the Evil Dead Web. And they are... You want to talk about a hill to die on. They are advocates that the original Evil Dead is a standalone film, that Ash died at the end of the original film, and that everything else that came after that is in another universe. Mm. And that it's not a sequel. So I think I think they're more in line with you guys' theory. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's not really not much of a well thought out theory. It's just like I always like given the two, like I always go to two. And I think Army of Darkness is fucking brilliant. Still so good. Like it's so goddamn good. Like when he like turns into like all those little ashes, which then later on, like they, they do in, in Ash vs. Evil Dead, which is also like. I remember going to Brooklyn when videology was open and they did um, a screening of, of evil uh, army of darkness. And then uh, they played the first two episodes of Ash vs. evil dead, or maybe it was the first episode. And you know, you're always apprehensive. You're always thinking like, ah, how are they going to turn this into a show? And we watched the first episode and I'm like, yo, this is fucking perfect. Like, it's so good. I don't know what you thought of the show. If you liked it or not. The, the show didn't do it for me. I didn't stick with it, if only because, uh, and we're going to talk, because as you know, uh, you mentioned, this year on Halloweenies, we're diving into the Evil Dead series. Last year, we did the Scream series. This is, of course, building up to Evil Dead Rise, the latest film in the franchise. <laughs> and you know, we're going to dive into everything, including cool. the television show and the game. We're still figuring out how we're going to do the TV show. If we're gonna that is true. As one episode. Uh, but for me, what I didn't, I, there was a lot of stuff I did enjoy about the TV show, but what I didn't like is I did not like that they made Ash so unlikable <laughs> in the TV show because he's a loud mouth in the third one. But if you, if you consider, if you consider the theory that it's all, uh, that it's not a remake that one, two, three, all kind of follow this, this guy who's basically having a long weekend where yes. he ends up time traveling. You kind of see him grow from kind of a candy ass uh, into a hero who realizes the only thing he's ever been good at is killing deadites. And thank God that he figured it out. You know, so then by the time you open on this on the, the series, he's just horribly unlikable. I think they just kind of accentuated the worst qualities of the character that I didn't like. And I realized that I'm <laughs> I'm talking about a a silly TV shit series that is a sequel to three kind of silly horror movies, but it 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 it, it was how some people feel about uh, the Last Jedi, I imagine. Mm. Oh, well, I loved. I mean, I'm not even going to get into that because I. No, yeah. let's not. There's we don't. Nobody ever needs to talk about Star Wars ever again. Uh, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I I've talked about it a lot on this podcast, but so um. I'm going to look forward to basically listening to you talk about the series and because I, I guess you're going to have to do a rewatch or or watch the whole thing. Right. Well, it's funny because uh, I'm terrible about managing my time. I was stressed out all last week because I thought we were recording the episode covering the Evil Dead last Saturday morning and uh, we weren't. But I'm also a week ahead on my notes now because we're recording it next yeah. Saturday. Yeah. So, yeah, I watched it three times. I watched the original film three times last week and. Uh, you know, when when do you think this episode is going to air? I'm actually so like I I just like I don't ever bank anything. Like we we had a few things just drop, but like uh, I'll probably I'll put it out sometime this week because I'm going to be away. I'm going to New Orleans on Sunday. Oh, oh yeah, New Orleans. New Orleans. But I'm also going to be watching Jawbox in Baltimore on Saturday, the day before I leave. Oh, and you got a full week. Not even then I'm playing two solo shows in New Jersey. So I, I got to figure I got to manage like maybe like Saturday morning. I'll put it out basically sometime so, this week. So uh, so you'll be you'll be think you'll be out before the episode airs. But, uh, you know, I don't want to reveal too much about what I'll talk about that original yeah, yeah. Evil Dead film. But I do think it is one of the great American movies. Yeah. That, that original film. Yeah. And no. My favorite of the series. OK. Yeah. So. For sure. I just wanted to, to touch upon that and basically let people know, you know, the deal. Um, what I really also do want to talk about is my love of Mr. Skin, which you were ah. a part of. 
So as yes, a big as a big Stern fan, I mean, because like me and Brian, what do you always say whenever we bring up a movie? You're like, if it's got great nudity or not. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Great nudity. Great nudity. And you go, you guys, uh, if you listen to the show, you follow me on Twitter. Everybody knows my adoration for the golden age of pornography of the 1970s going into the 80s. So, yeah, I did. I, I was freelancing for Mr. Skin for a minute. I got in there. Of course, you know, Mike McPadden was a big part of that. Uh, he was very good friends with uh, uh, Jim McBride, or as you know, he just referred to him as Skin. I did an interview with them both for Daily Grindhouse, which I'll send you guys. Which was oh yeah, fun. that'd be great. Yeah. It kind of goes into the you know how Mr. Skin started. You know what the film that kind of kickstarted Mr. Skin was? No, uh, Bobby Joe and the Outlaw, which I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's got nope. Marjo Marjo Gortner, the former child preacher. It's directed by Mark L. Lester, who did Class of 1984, Class of oh, 1989, nice. Firestarter, uh, but it's notable. Because Linda Carter, Wonder Woman herself, bears her big naturals in nice. there. <laughs> and they are, let me say, they are impressive. Yes. And Jim McBride said that's what, when I didn't hear, that's the movie that kind of set him over the edge. That's what kind of started his note when he started doing his notebook of where he chronicled all the, uh, the, the nude scenes in film. So when I was writing for him, this is, of course, later in the game. This was a couple of years ago. And I was also writing for Mr. Man. And, you know, it does sound like a dream job where you're just watching nudity. But even as a writer, it's hard. And that's a Mr. Skin joke. Hey, it's uh, hard uh-huh. to come <laughs> up with countless variations on how to say dick balls boobs and pussy like, yeah yeah because they had a very specific style guide that's the thing about mr skin if anybody out there reads mr skin and i recommend you do it's a great website and is that the the style guide described it as having a nick at night kind of quality kind of a mad magazine quality well you didn't want to be too sleazy or too like a you know a tex avery wolf with the tongue rolling out like you had to have uh, a sense of humor about it and it had to be just a little bit silly to kind of, you know, help the medicine go down. And it was hard. It was hard doing it. And I just, uh, I eventually just kind of tuned out on it. But I often think, I was like, man, I wonder if that editor's still over there. I wonder if I can go back there and make a couple extra bucks writing for Mr. Skin. It's Because it, I do love putting that on my resume because it just seems so appropriate. For because me. it's like for a child of Stern like me, like I just remember that. Like it was just, and, and another time, another thing too, whenever you say the phrase Stone Cold Fox, that's what I think of because he would always say that he would always say Stone Cold Fox. And then he would say like fun bags or like he would always have like, you know, uh, like uh, certain names that you would call like whatever they're showing. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, they, there was such a specific kind of style of speaking. And Mike McPadden, it was a big part of that because McBride recruited him uh, from Chicago or from New York to bring him to Chicago <clears throat> to write from his skin. Uh, the late Mike McPadden. Yeah. Yeah. I sure. should mention. Yep. And uh, he was a big Stern fan too. And he just had that. Yeah. Like you said, that, that specific style. And he said, as a fan of Stern, it was, it was a dream to write for Mr. Skin. Yeah, we did. We just did our, our favorite ra- raunchy comedies episode as well too. Like what was, what was like a, one of your films, Parker? Uh, one of my most notable was Hamburger, the motion picture. Yeah. Classic. Yeah. Uh, it was a, there was this kind of, even though neither one, that one had to do, actually had to do with a hamburger stand though. Right. Uh, hamburger. It was like a hamburger college. Yeah. 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 And then there was, then there was, there was fast food, which was at a hamburger stand. And then they had this special sauce that made you horny. Yes. <laughs> that was yeah. the best. Yeah, I love that shit, man. That was Tracy Lords. Tracy Lords was in that. Ah, was, was she of age yet? Uh, I think at that point she was, and she doesn't get naked. So I don't even know so why it- I wasted my time watching it. <laughs> <laughs> because I was always mad that Hot Dog, the movie, had nothing to do with hot dogs. Yeah, yes, about, yes. Uh, it's all about skiing. Uh, my yep. favorite, and actually this is, Thanks to Mike McPadden. He turned me on to this one. Uh, Screwballs from yes. Canada. Yes. Yep. Jim Winorski, no? Yeah, I believe so. Oh, no, he wrote actually, it. He wrote it. He wrote it. That one's actually very funny. I think sharper than your average one. But as far as like the big ones, nothing's ever going to top my love of Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah, yes, yeah. That, was my, that was my number one, actually. I, I still think, uh, I know, I don't even want to get into, because I feel, here's my, 
if I have one issue at Revenge of the Nerds, or at least bringing it up, I know I don't have to worry about it with you guys, is that every time I do bring up Revenge of the Nerds, we're animals. Is that somebody has to bring <laughs> up that somebody has to bring up that scene. Yeah, we know yeah. the scene we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know what? It exists. It was there. Maybe it's in bad taste. But like Mike McPattern always said, like these movies never in- were t- there to encourage you to go out and act like these characters. You were laughing at the bad behavior mm-hmm. yeah. of these characters. And I don't like that. Uh, and I don't want to sound like a generational warrior or anything, but the Xennials especially seem to get very moralistic when it comes to sex stuff. Yeah, and which is I, funny because we were the sexual people. We were like the fucking left liberal fucking loving like we we were like the most embracing of that, you know, and it's like when you watch <clears throat> Revenge of the Nerds, like we all grew up with these movies and I feel like we're pretty fucking normal. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I think that movie's funny. I'm never going to I am never going to conduct a panty rape. Never. And I never, yeah. and I never after watching Revenge of the Nerds at what, six, seven, eight years old. Never said yes. I that's okay. I never. Yeah. I, I never. never even, we never. Ne- never even crossed my mind. Never. So it goes back to um. Who was it? Robert Maplethorpe did a. Uh, I think in the nineties he did a uh, art installation. Probably I think in New York where he had a bunch of pictures of naked kids. Right. But it was nothing sexual about it, naked kids, and people protested it because you know they considered it to be pornography. And his point that he was making, and I love this. Well, if that's what you see. When you see those photos, then you need to look into yourself and ask, why? Why are you thinking this? Because this is just this is just photography. This is just the the human form. Hell yeah. I mean, most things are just jokes and that's how we grew up. I, but like I'm saying, like we have like I, the shit that I was renting from a video store at like age nine, ten. Like I was just like you. <laughs> You would be horrified. Like I'm watching like, you know, blood sucking freaks and like psychos in love and like just nasty shit. And a movie that I did mention for the for raunchy, which never gets the love is stewardess school. That's I love that movie. You ever oh, see that, that movie? That one that I'll, I'll, I'll put that one on my list. I did finally watch Private Lessons. OK, with Sylvia Christel for the first time. The private trilogy. Yeah, that's a <laughs> that's a jet. That's, that's actually a gem. So private lesson, private school, and one that I threw on my list, which was private resort, which had uh, Johnny Depp. That's Johnny Depp. Yes. Yeah. 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 That movie rules. It's so fucking (laughs) like the beginning of the movie is just so sex crazed and ridiculous. And my girlfriend's eight years younger and she's like, what the fuck is this? I was like, this is what you you guys did back then. Is this what you guys thought was funny? (laughs) This is what I will. I will say. With some of the moralism we were talking about, yeah, it's like you either die a hero or you live long enough to become Tipper Gore, right? Because that's what people forget <laughs> yeah. about. Oh, that's no. what people forget about the '80s is that yes. it wasn't the the Republicans or the conservatives; it was the Democrats and it was the mm. liberals. And I think that's why free speech is kind of is always an interesting topic when you're discussing something like like Two Live Crew in the '90s, which we talked about on my Playboy podcast recently i feel like the pendulum has swung the other way recently where people have come to terms with the fact that you know speaking specifically of the teen sex comedies right is that that was a thing it happened it was a place in time we don't need to keep harping about it it exists either you like them or you don't and if you do like them write about what you like about them yeah, yeah. For, for for most things, it's like if you like something, watch it. If you don't, then just, you know, same thing like it's Stern. Like it was like Stern all over again. Like when, even when people talk about like Rogan or whatever, it's like, all right, well, then first of all, the only people that haven't had an issue with Stern are the people that didn't really like it. They, they weren't fans. So it's like it's weird. My it's mother, like, my mother used to watch. We used to get WWR here in Chicago. Oh, that was the shit. So my uncle turned us on to Stern. My mom was letting me watch Stern. At night. Yeah, I had yeah. no idea what, the, what was going on. Uh, I will admit. So I listen to him constantly on Sirius because I have it in the car. Me, me too. And I do cringe when they go back to some of those. 80s and 90s episodes because uh, i'm just of the mind where you know him and th- this crew of weirdos are deciding whether a woman is a five or a ten like these guys all need to look in the mirror <laughs> who, ah. the hell, who who the hell are they yes but you know stern's another one he grew up and he changed and i mean he's a little dull now i think he gets a little too much into that the the, the covid thing about staying at home yeah but right what when is he's 
when he's good, he's still good. I, yeah. I, I, I like, I like uh, everybody who's on there now. Sal's a little bit annoying because yeah. I think Sal, I think Sal knows what he's doing. I don't think Sal's as stupid as he lets on, and I think that that is all a character. It's I said the fucking same shit. I talk because my girlfriend just got into the show when she she we got a new car and she has serious in it, and she just got into it like maybe like within the like the last two three years. And I, that's what I say. I'm like, ah, Sal's cool. It's like, but he, it's like all shtick. Like to me, Richard is the shit because he's so Richard's genuine. authentic. He's Richard authentic. Is, Richard is real. And, but I do like when they work together and Sal's stuff is funny, but it doesn't feel, what I like about Stern is when they're being honest. And I feel like the Sal stuff where he mispronounces words yep. or when they, I just listened to the clip where they hypnotized him and they thought that he thought his cock was gone. Like he's <laughs> acting up because he Dude, knows he gets my cock is attention. gone. Yeah, no. And it's sure. funny. It's funny. But, you know, you know, who, I know you guys know who my absolute favorite part of Stern is, though. Uh, geez, is it a, is it a whack packer? Of course, it's a whack packer. All right. Um, I mean, to me, the most genuine whack packer, uh, geez, it's either Beetlejuice or or Bigfoot or Tam Beetlejuice. Beetle, Beetlejuice. Yeah, he's the, yeah. I fell in love with Beetlejuice when I first saw him on the E show. Yep, and uh, started seeing him in movies because I honestly believe because that's something that comes up with Stern. Uh, that I have to reconcile with with people who don't necessarily get it, like. Is Stern exploitive? And I think it's an interesting, especially with the whack pack. And it's interesting to look at it because I don't, on one hand, maybe, but on the other hand, a lot of these guys might be dead mm. if they didn't go on Stern and find a means to make money. And with somebody like Beetlejuice, who is mentally impaired in some way, but you know, when he's on, he knows when he's making people laugh. I think yes. he's kind of an outsider artist because when he gets going, he knows that everybody's entertained and laughing at what he's saying. And I don't know. It's not like laughing at him. They are kind of laughing with him because he knows he's being funny. I, think I don't they, know if he necessarily knows why he's being funny. Yeah. And I think they have a love for him on the staff for sure. Definitely. Maybe not even well, Howard because Howard probably doesn't deal with him, but like everyone else that has him on the road and stuff like that, the, the, there is that genuine thing for sure. Well, I always say like, cause there's countless clips of him on YouTube. That was one of the things that helped me get through the pandemic. I would just watch Beetlejuice clips before I went to bed uh, during stay at home. <laughs> Spell red. And, yeah. And um, cause like when Stern's with him, like Stern, I mean, cause this goes, it's a testament to Stern being such a great interviewer when Stern's talking to Beetlejuice, <laughs> he seems like he's genuinely interested in what's going on. Whereas when it's like clips of just Sal hanging out with people's use, I feel like there's a mean spiritedness to it that sure. I don't necessarily like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I do love I, the Instagram stuff that Bobby Rooney puts up. Just my, my bartending partner, Ashley, just crack up at that stuff. Yeah. I'll, I'll show her, like, oh, look at this one's a good one's going, you know. And it, now at work all the time, it's, uh, we're talking about something. What do you think about that? Kubi, uh, Kubi. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, I, and, there, and it's, for you, goo it's, for you. It's funny for people like us, like, you know, our co-hosts or our second co-host who, who could make it today, Langan. But we, we are like pop culture sponges. So a lot of times we do have those like quotes that like no one will get, but it's funny to us. Like whenever we say like, I don't know, like pots and pans, like you think of toy soldiers, you know, but like most, <laughs> most normal people just, it's like, nah. but like, it's just like, we're, we're pop culture sponges. And that's why we wanted to have a podcast to do dumb shit like this. So. Oh, it's great. I love, I love what you guys are doing here. I, I, I love the cash. I love, I love the casual podcast. It's, yeah. One of my favorites, because I, I think uh, that's something that comes up with Halloweenies a lot is that we, people like us because it reminds them of hanging out with their friends and yep. talking about movies. Yeah, I think a lot we get a lot of messages from people <laughs> who it helped them get through the pandemic where you couldn't hang out with your friends. So just listening to these, you know, four or five ding dongs talk <laughs> about it. it and you want to get in on the conversation. Absolutely. Especially when you guys get to Halloween, hollow green. So that's one and that's one in particular where like my friend Anthony, who's been on the show, too, he was like, yo, he's like, these cocksuckers are shitting on this movie so hard. <laughs> right. I know you guys got a lot of blowback on that one. Right. You know, every once in a while. So every once in a while, I'll go like, 
I'll Google the podcast and I'll see what people are saying on Reddit and stuff. And there hasn't been a lot lately. And I wasn't on the Hollow Green episode. I'm still the new guy. At Halloween. Oh, no, no, no. I thought, OK, because I thought they did that one later on. I, I didn't no, know. I did Halloween Kills. Halloween Kills. OK. And I was the only one. I mean, I actually gave it a positive review, but for all the wrong reasons. I gave it three stars because <laughs> yes. I feel like it is a new camp classic because I've never really liked the term. It's so bad. It's good. If it's good, it's good. Right. Very few films actually fit squarely in that it's so bad that it's good. Halloween Kills is a film that is so bad it's good because I believe they actually believe that they're making a statement with this stuff. The, yeah. The, the stuff oh, yeah. Trauma, and they just fall so short of it. And I'm a big fan of David Gordon Green and Danny McBride because I love Righteous Gemstones. Okay. But mm-hmm. I think their worlds, they create, you know, Danny McBride has that uncanny valley dialogue. Nobody talks like people talk in a Danny yes. McBride production. And David Gordon Green and him have this way of melding that hyper violence with that hyper reality and this uncanny dialogue where it creates this own universe. So when you try to shoehorn the Halloween mythos into that, it doesn't work. But when it's your own thing that you created, like the Righteous Gemstones, that it's 100%. Yeah, I got to say, like the one thing in particular that the like I want to talk about kills as well, but also like listening to the Halloweenies uh, that one that episode kind of hurt my feelings about uh, 2018 because I I was like so excited for it, but I was excited for it the way like I was excited for The Force Awakens. I was like, oh, this seems like an actual Star Wars movie. And I'm like, it's just great to go back to these characters after um you know the rob zombie remakes and fucking resurrection you know so um and then someone brought up about uh h2o and i was like wait a minute i was like is it better than h2o because like it just made me reevaluate and and i watched h2o again i was like yeah this is actually pretty fucking good because i i didn't really love h2o in theaters but as i watched it through the years the first i would say like I would say the first half of that movie is pretty goddamn good, you know. Um, the, H2O the... is not without its terms. It's definitely screen exploitation. I was sure. excited for it when I saw it at the show, and I don't know if you guys know that, but in Chicago, we don't say we went to the movies; we went to the show. So if you oh. ever hear me say that, that's like this weird piece of Chicago vernacular. Yeah, and I liked it enough. It's eighty. My problem with it is that it's eighty minutes, and it does seem to drag a little bit. But H2O, and I've you've probably heard me say this, has the best ending of any slasher movie yeah i think in existence yeah because everybody who was on the playground when we were kids mm-hmm. when you talk about freddie jason michael myers how do you kill him why doesn't anybody cut their head off and they finally do it and then they fuck it all up in the next one <laughs> they, they pull it back they give you exactly what you want because the halloween sequels as bad as they all are i really don't like any of the halloween sequels i can't call them good movies they're not without their qualities but all the halloween sequels have great endings yeah, 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 for sure. Right? Yeah, I, Except I, I, maybe Curse. Uh, Curse's ending isn't great. Yeah, but I mean, are we talking producer or? Either one, like they're, they're, <laughs> they're both fine because neither one of them make a lick of sense. But yeah. five's a great ending. Four is a great ending. Three is a great ending. Two is a great ending. H2O is the best ending. Uh, so is it better yeah. than is it better than Halloween 2018? I don't know. I, I review I, I saw Halloween 2018 when it premiered at Fantastic Fest, the North American premiere. And I was excited for it because I thought I was like, OK, look, how can it be worse? Yeah. Any yeah. Of the other sequels that have have come yeah. uh, and uh, comparing it to The Force Awakens. I like Force Awakens, although me too. Looking back, looking back on that trilogy, all this new Star Wars movies are C plus to B minus. They're all good. I, They're all pretty good. Do you like them better than the prequels, though? Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. They feel they feel more like Star Wars. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's I I I, I, I bring it up all the time on the podcast because that I said the prequels came out at a time where I was just too busy being like an early twenty year old, and <laughs> and after watching those three movies, I was like, I think I'm over Star Wars. Those oh, prequels knocked me out. Here's my story about uh, Phantom Menace. I was dating this girl, so I'm 19 years old, jazzed like I have i grew up with star wars star wars was in my blood my mom loved it so she got me into it so i can't wait i can't believe it's finally happening i yeah, see special yep. editions of the show i went and got the tickets we went down into mcclurg court uh, downtown chicago the thx theater 
And I, uh, my girlfriend at the time, Kathy, I, I, we watched all the movies on Laserdisc. She'd never seen them before, you know, prepping for this event. And we go see it. We're walking out of the theater. And she looks at me and I'm just kind of walking. And I have that confused look on my face that I have sometimes. And she just <laughs> looks at me and I'll never forget it. She says, you didn't like it, did you? I, I said, I don't think that I did. <laughs> I still went and saw it two more times and I still, it, 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 I mean, it's fine, I guess. But I remember she took me to see the mummy that week. That mummy came out that week too. As like, here, I'm going to make it up to you. And the mummy, I love, I still yeah. love that. Original. No, that's, that's great. It just, that's, but that's what you're, it's funny that you mentioned that because I think we all did that. Um, you know, you're, you have this adoration for, for these things and you're like, holy shit, it's finally here. You know, and uh, <laughs> I remember by the time they got to the race, I was like, it was. Oh, just, yeah, that was the worst. I, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I don't really know what's going on here. I'm like, I, I, I'm, but like you like when you walk out, you're like, I don't know if that was good, <laughs> but yeah, it's almost like it doesn't compute to you. You're like, it's a Star Wars movie. It's the fourth one. I'm like, why don't I fucking love this? And it, I get the confusion. Even funnier. I remember. I was whining about it to my mother who, you know, kind of gave it a pass. She thought it was fine. It was cute or whatever. And she says to me, I'll never forget. This is a true story. She says, well, they can't just remake the first one. And I said to her, I'd be happy if they did. And then uh, they did with the force awakens. They did, yeah. So I got, I got my wish. Yeah. Take that mom. They did. <laughs> um, Solo's the best one. Solo's the best Disney star Wars. Anyway, we all know that. So, here, here's something that, that came out just recently that I don't know if you loved uh, the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So that's what I was on for Epic Film Guys. Oh, and, okay. And I, um, so I, I watched it twice and I thought about it. It's, there's a lot of good ideas. Uh, if it was a slasher movie, if it was the new slasher movie, completely new villain. Yep. It would probably be everybody's favorite slasher movie of the year. Unfortunately, it is a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie, and it gets even though it's you know trying to retcon the a very messy franchise. I don't think thematically everything works, and in the end, the whole thing just feels soulless. Which I put it in a trap. I put it in a two and two and a half stars. Not yeah, yeah. not quite there. Uh, they waste the Sally character. The mask is ugly. The bus sequence is great. I like the the uh, mechanic character in town. I liked his relationship with the young girl in the school. Me shooting. too. I thought there was something to be said there because I like when movies get a little bit murky with their politics. Yes. And where then, they kind of yep. say, well, just because you feel this way, is this, and I, I like that they made the kids, they should have made the kids more unlikable because I think that's the point they were trying to make about these rich gentrifiers coming into towns and thinking, that they can make everything better. And that ties in very well, I think, with the original film because they were trespassing. Like Leatherface is the hero of the first one. They didn't need to be sneaking around that house. He's just, mm -hmm. the, he's just a working man, working person, protecting his home. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and same thing with this, you know? It's like, it's almost like if, if you took these roles and, and made like, you know, Schwarzenegger, Leatherface, it would be like... You know, it would make sense. It's like they came, they killed my fucking caretaker. I'm taking them all out, you know, and we would be cheering. We'd be like, all right, get that. But grenade. they never like you still don't feel like that antihero quality in him either, where I feel like you're really cheering for him. It just doesn't I think it's just it's all messy. And I think I think uh, what the stories by what Fede Alvarez, who I like. Yes, me up. too. Yeah, because um, I really like Don't Breathe. I haven't seen Don't Breathe 2 yet. And obviously in that film, they take the villain and turn him into some sort of anti-hero. I understand, yeah. uh, despite what he did in the previous film. So I don't think it's impossible that you can do it. But I, I feel like something just got lost in the translation to the script and then to the screen. And, and uh, you know, obviously the the Evil Dead remake, which I love and I can't wait to hear you guys talk about it. <laughs> I, don't, that's, I think that's, that's going to be an interesting and divisive episode. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For everybody. Um, so a couple of other things here that I just wanted to bring up, you know, if we can go back to uh, the Mr. Skin thing, I'm, I'm going to bring yes. you back into that universe. Uh, the most cinematic boobs of all time. I have three. I love to get inside of it. Love to get inside of it. I have three. <laughs> I have three. I don't know if Parker, you might have some, but so uh just one of the guys. Friday that's the third 
uh, that's mentioned. That was a big one for Mike McPadden. Uh, I'll have to send you guys over this uh, interview I did with him for Daily Grindhouse. When because there's, do you see the documentary about uh, nudity in films I that came out so. a couple years ago? I feel like I must have, but I, I don't think so. It's yeah. pretty good, and Mike McPadden's a talking head in it. Uh, pretty good stuff. Um, so yeah, just one of the guys. Friday the Thirteenth Part Five. Uh, or life force <laughs> all right so if you put them in order those three life force friday five and just one of the guys well i think life force might get number one because i think they're the biggest and the longest right yeah <laughs> you know i mean there's no wrong answer here <laughs> um yeah let's say life force friday the 13th part five uh just one of the guys okay parker what about you how'd you put I those in order I would I would probably do just one of the guys, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, still, and oh, I gotta classic. go I gotta go strip tease man I gotta go Demi Moore. Wow, all right, I like that oh, curveball. Uh, yeah. You gotta uh, truly, um, you guys gotta check out Bobby Joe and the Outlaw. That uh, Linda Carter, yeah, primo, yeah, nice. for nice. sure. <laughs> Stone Cold Fox. Uh, oh, Stone Cold Fox without a doubt. Yeah, for sure. And and why is it if if, if it's at the Oh, you know, what, you know what? Another good piece. You know what? Uh, but I don't know if this counts. Uh, when uh, the Freddie's the nurse in part three. Okay. Oh, yeah. That's there's a good a, point. There's the oh. cut scene yes. where she's wearing the mask, but she's topless. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, that's a good one. That's that, that's at least memorable. No, no. Yeah, that's Creepy. a good one. And also <laughs> to, sh to shout out, you know, uh, uh, you know, hot women in, in, in uh, these franchises, I, I want to give some love to the underrated Lisa Zane. I thought mm. Lisa Zane, you know, from uh, Freddy's dead. Oh I mean, yeah. The, the, the pigtails and the baby yeah, doll dress. Yeah, like yeah. that's, yeah. you know, so indicative of that era yeah. too, of that, of, you know, Freddie coming into the nineties with the, the grunge uh, look, you know what, I know another good pair of uh, breasts in film, the uh, heavy metal they're animated. Oh, but, okay. Mm. Uh, the, 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 the secretary from the so beautiful, so dangerous segment. Nice. Top notch. <laughs> what about yeah. top, top three penises in the, in the show euphoria? Par Park, <laughs> Parker, Parker, I, you start. I, no, <laughs> I I've seen, I tell you what though, HBO has got the corner on Culkins and penises on TV between <laughs> succession to righteous gemstones and euphoria. Cause I saw yeah. There's a lot of penis on the gemstones, which I, I appreciate. I almost feel like they're trying to make a comment about casual male nudity. I think, so, I think, yeah, I think, I think male nudity is definitely. You no, know, though, sure. HBO has been big on the, big on the penis for a while because you guys, did you guys watch Oz? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that's OG penis right there. So wow. when I worked at uh, Borders, it's the music. <laughs> I worked with a couple older ladies who they watched Oz and they on Wednesday nights, I think it'd be on and they'd come in Thursday and they'd discuss who showed their cock and <laughs> they would, you if, if somebody didn't like, you know, that was covered up by a shadow or something, they would be so upset and motherfuck that guy so yeah. bad <laughs> calling him, you know, he's scared. He's pussy. What's wrong with this guy? We wanted to see it. This is bullshit. Oh yeah, there was there was definitely that that is true. I thought you were gonna say Dream On or something like that, but I guess. Dream On was my favorite. Dream, Dream On's on the favorite. best. I mean, no. I, I Sunday like, night Sunday nights Sunday yeah. nights when I was a kid, Tales from the Crypt, Dream oh. On, and if you were lucky, an episode of Real Sex with Annie Sprinkle on it. Ah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what. It, seriously, I mean, I, we we must have grown up in the same time for sure, because <laughs> like to me, Martin Tupper, like, I mean, that was the shit right there. Like he just, well, it just for better or worse, I learned, or at least I assumed what dating life was going to be from sitcoms about single men in New York city, you know, from dream on to Seinfeld to any number of NBC sitcoms from the eighties and nineties. Like I always thought that's what life was like, just having, having sex with a new woman every yes. week. And yeah, Martin yeah. Tupper had a cool place too. He had that cool loft with the exposed brick. Yeah. Shout out and, to Eddie uh, Charles. Yeah. Uh, both of them. There were <laughs> two, two. I was about to say, one or two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I always loved, yeah. I loved in the, the season premiere. I always, I think about this more than I should. How, you know, when he pulls, he, he went and got like uh, a surgery done in his eyes, the character, and he pulls off the thing and he looks at Martin Tupper and he's like, you notice anything different? And he goes, no, not really. And it's a completely different actor. Different actor. I just yeah. thought that was a very, I love that, that. Was a very funny joke. It's just too bad. I, HBO. I mean, I'm, I don't know what rights are like that for that or streaming. Cause it's very hard to get the rights to all the old movies. Yeah. But that, on, 
home yeah. video, but streaming's different. Of course, everything's different. Streaming is different from television, which is different from cable, which is different from VHS. That's why, speaking of heavy metal, that's why that was tied up uh, in, in red tape for so long because so there's a lot of rock and roll, original rock and roll music on that soundtrack. So the soundtrack could be released on they had a, you know, they had the rights to it to release it on vinyl, release it theatrically, so or it could go and it could go to television, which is why TBS would show it and Cinemax would show it. However, home video wasn't really a thing yet, so they didn't wrangle those rights. So the home video rights were kind of all tied up for years until they figured it out. Same thing with putting it out on CD because it's a different medium. So despite streaming essentially being television, it's probably got to be negotiated all over again where everybody gets there and everybody just wants their cut of the money, which yeah. I understand. No, no, I, I completely get it. I, the other day I was watching fucking first and 10 on something. Oh, like, oh my yeah. God. Oh, yeah. That was Friday. <laughs> Friday nights was kids in a hall and then first and 10. And yeah. I'm not, I never liked football. Me I neither. Watch football now, but I watch first and 10. Yeah. And it was such, I, when I, I, I think I watched an episode somewhere and I was like, it's such a weird mix between that real slapstick comedy of the locker room but then all the kind of high drama yeah. of the behind the scenes at the the California Bulls. Shout out to Bubba Kincaid. But yeah, yeah. um, it was streaming. Ogre, so- Revenge of the Nerds. Yes, that's right. Yeah. For actually, that must have been the the longest cinematic piss, right? I, I can't I can't <laughs> can't imagine anyone pissing longer than that. So. You know, that'd be a good list. The yes. longest piece. Uh, you know who go. gives him run for his money? Uh, Leslie Nielsen in the oh, Naked Gun. Yes, uh, yes, that, that's that's a good piece. Right Jamie, Jamie, look that up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. So before before we end this, I don't I don't want to hijack you too long. Um, I I, I, I'd be an idiot if I didn't, uh, you know, talk to you about Jason Goes to Hell. And uh, (laughs) I knew it. I was like, oh, I bet you they bring up Jason Goes to Hell. I love it because you and I like I'm an apologist for like to me, like. No, no apologies needed. You're just, <laughs> yeah, you're just, you're just right. I'm you're lover. right. I'm a lover of Jason goes to hell. I think Parker, Absolutely. you hate it, right? Uh, I take it over Jason X any yeah. day of the week. Good. Uh, Jason goes to hell also has, uh, speaking of nice breasts, that opening scene. What was oh, yeah. Like D- DEA or something like that. Yep. shower yes. scene. Yeah, it yep. was phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Uh, That's classy. And you get two because you get the, uh, the Tony, the Wonder Llama sequence. Where she gets cut in half with the, so actually you get four breasts. Yeah, yeah. I love it. There we go. <laughs> that's it. I mean, that's four. But so I remember watching this, and as a fan of the movie The Hidden, yes, um, a cable classic. Uh, me and my mom, my sister watched that on cable. All it was must have been on HBO. It felt like it was on every other night growing I think, up. I think that was what Jack Shoulder. Yes, it was Jack Shoulder of Elm Street Two. Yeah, uh, shot by I believe shot by Jacques Hacken who shot the original Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, there's all sorts of like cool stuff going on in that one. I, I, yeah. The Hidden's a, so, so the, a gem. the Hidden and the First Power were two of my favorite uh, movies. Yeah, good uh, one. I finally, I finally caught up with the First Power a couple years ago because it was hard to find. I think I found it on YouTube. Uh, it's, on, Phillips, it's on Tubi. Right? It's on Tubi. Is that on t- Tubi, the best horror yeah. streaming yes. service. Yeah, come on. Are you With kidding the me? Mike Vanderbilt seal of approval. On yeah, Tubi ah. is like literally walking through the, the like a video store in like 96. It's like everything that you never rented and like wanted to is right there. You're like, oh, head of the family. Oh, perfect. <laughs> you know, it's a second runner up, but uh, to really get the, the full uh, experience, you need to subscribe. But it's one of the I think it's an underrated one is Midnight Pulp. I don't okay. know if you guys are familiar with that one. Ah, Midnight Pulp is a terrific streaming service if you're into cult stuff. Yeah. And yeah. psychotronic yeah. film. I'm in. But um, so anyway, so so those two movies in particular made me like I love the first power. Like I like as a kid, anything to do with like a, a cult and like Satan imagery. Um, and then the hidden, I fucking love. So to me, Jason goes to hello is like, oh, this is kind of like an extension of it. But I completely understand why most people fucking hated it. But it's just so violent and so fucking stupid and Creighton Duke. And it's just like, I don't know what it is. I could put it on and cool. watch it over and over again. I, I think and I, I, I of course, I talked about this on the Halloweenies episode is the amount of imagination. That's yeah. There. Even if it's just ripping stuff off, it's stuff that's never been done in the Friday the 13th franchise before. And the franchise had 
not wasn't running out of steam. It was running out of, it was basically on fumes at that point. And to say, to have, you know, the balls to say, we're going to make this straight up supernatural. And we're going to introduce all this weird mythos. I think it's great. Now I do often wonder if I saw it when I was, you know, 23 and not 13, if I would have loved it as much, like, yeah. I, 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 I can't say, but I think it kind of shaped what I look for in movies, particularly in slasher sequels now where when people talk about Friday the 13th and about, you know, if they're slowly moving to getting a new one, we might see one in our lifetime. Now yep, that yep. the lawsuit with Victor Salva and Sean Cunningham has been settled. Everybody's talking about a back to basics approach. Why? We have the best back to basics Friday the 13th movie is the final chapter. That's yeah. got everything you need. That's the quintessential Friday the 13th movie. So why not do something weird or cool? I don't like Jason X, but that's a good, Jason X has a good concept. It's just, it's not the concept that, uh, who is it? Uh, Farmer? What's the screenwriter? Todd Farmer wanted to write a darker, more alien-like film, and they made it look like, you know, Vivid Presents Jason It X. really did look like Vivid Presents X. Yeah. It was like, it was like a porn without the penetration. It was just like, let's cut out, let's cut out the fucking. Let's cut, out the, good st- let's cut out the good stuff. Who wants yeah. to see that? Right? Come on. And. <laughs> I would rather see send Jason, you know, send us back to space, uh, uh, put him in a condo building, bring him to the big city, you know, put him in the hood, you know, yeah. all the places where <laughs> everywhere the leprechaun went. sequels go, <laughs> like just, just send them there to give me something interesting. Give me something funny. Not even, no, give me something. I don't want to say funny. Give me something clever. Give me something imaginative. Just don't do jason in the woods again and i know everybody's like oh we should have him in the snow like yeah fine but it's still just jason in the woods yeah yeah it's just snow but uh, i just I, I wanted to share our love of that movie and 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 it's funny that you mentioned if you watched it in your mid-20s uh how you would feel about it because to me anytime someone talks about one of your favorites black christmas that's how i feel i didn't watch black christmas till uh, probably like the late 2000s, uh, we went to cinema, uh, Nighthawks, Night, Nighthawk Cinema oh, in, Bro- in Brooklyn. You know, I, ho- I, I hosted a screening of The Astrologer at the Nighthawk. I don't know yeah, if yeah. I ever told you guys about no. that. No, how awesome is uh, that place? Uh, the Nighthawk was great, and uh, there was one review of I did Friday and Saturday night showing that cult classic, The Astrologer, which I recommend. I think it's streaming free on YouTube now, okay. but it was really hard to find, like, you couldn't see it anywhere. I showed it in Chicago. Uh, Kevin Marr, do you guys know Kevin Marr? Uh, yeah, the Kevin geeks out or yeah, like, yeah, yeah, something like that. Right? He says, "Why well, want you to bring astrologer here?" Even though it wasn't mine, I was just renting it from Agfa. He goes, <laughs> "So let's do it at Nighthawk." And I, uh, I partied in Brooklyn that night. I went down to Brooklyn Brewing, oh, yeah. and I hit every bar on the way back to the theater with John Abrams from Daily Grindhouse, my editor in chief. And there was one review of the evening. It was a positive one, but they mentioned the wildly intoxicated Mike Vanderbilt from Daily Grindhouse <laughs> doing his presentation before the movie. Yes. Uh, memorable moments that I don't remember in Brooklyn. So yeah, big fan of the Nighthawk. I love that. So it's funny. So I'm going to sidestep real quick. My friend uh, Frank Savatella and uh, Sean King, who's directing our new video, they just showed a movie called Boarding House there, which they're going to do in Chicago. Oh, yeah. really? That's yeah, yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, we're a- showing... Board house, uh, boarding house on March 9th. Uh, yep. Very yep. cool. Yeah, yeah. That's that, that, that. We know them dudes, man. Mad, awesome. Uh, like I said, that guy, Sean, he's directing uh, my band's new video. We, we, he already got it. So he just has to edit it. So I can't wait to see it. It. I, I, I'm sure it's going to be great. Um, I, I wanted to bring up uh, uh, what you said. You're talking, about about, Black, you're talking about Black Christmas. So watching it at an early age. I mean, it, it, it like in, you know, later, I was probably in my 30s. <laughs> I just fucking hated it. I was just like, I, I really I so I I wanted like I was like, OK, this is like the granddaddy, you know, Bob Clark, all this other shit. And I, I just remember sitting there and it just didn't connect with me. But then I thought to myself, I'm like, what if I saw Halloween now for the first time? Like, I would probably think like this is kind of like uneventful and boring and stuff like Parker. Did you like black Christmas? I've actually never seen it, believe it or not. Okay. All right. So uh, sign off, sign off real quick. Yeah. <laughs> You're out of here. Well, I, uh, I like black Christmas. I even like that. We did an episode. We did a Patreon episode on the 2019 one, which I liked. I don't know <laughs> okay. if you guys have seen that one. 
I well, I was trying to segue into my favorite Black Christmas, which is Black Xmas, which I know you guys did an episode that's, on. That's my least favorite of the three. Yeah. Uh, it, but uh, that first one, I, I saw it in my early 20s. So I just I it, it got under my skin. There was something about it. I don't know yeah. what it was. Yeah, no, I, I get it. And that's what that's what everyone says. And and certain, you know, sometimes things don't connect and stuff, you know, like where I could say like some people talk about the witch. And I think the witch was one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. But some people like, you know, like the, they'll start masturbating if I mention the witch. Well, let's let's uh, we can talk about this for a hot minute, because uh, I, I don't know where my tastes lie necessarily. If you could call me a guy, sometimes I think I'm very populist, but then I also like really kind of <laughs> like okay. low rent, like what some people would consider junk, like true psychotronic weird stuff. Yeah. And like, I liked hereditary. Me too. But I didn't like Midsummer. So when it comes to movies like The Witch, did I lose you guys? No, I'm, I hear you. I hear you. Parker, you're there, right? I'm here, yeah. Uh, okay, I, we, we uh, got there you. we go. Yep. Think, okay. Uh, when we talk about like what people consider the elevator horror, this new kind of, for lack of a term, kind of art house yep. horror, I, I do think there's a notion that there are people that just like that style. Horror is such a wide ranging genre. There's all sorts of different types. There's trashy stuff. There's arty stuff. There's highbrow. There's lowbrow. And there's some people who just like everything and go for them. I'm glad that they do. Uh, there's some people that just hate everything that they can't enjoy uh, anything. I just, I like to think of myself as someone who just takes every movie as it is on its own and like something like the witch it didn't necessarily speak to me uh but something like hereditary does yeah something like i you know in talking about like something like jordan peele who i i really liked get out but i thought us was a disappointment so we'll see what happens with yeah him. yeah yeah, no, I, I, I completely. I can't agree. go into anything just blindly already saying like this is gonna be good. Like you want it to be good, but I, no. I, I have no problem coming out and saying like if I didn't like it, I did. Yeah, why? no, no, for sure. And and that's how I felt about you know like a twenty four is kind of like that. You know, I I had a friend of mine recently ask me if I saw the movie Lamb. I was like, why the fuck would I watch Lamb? Did you see the trailer? <laughs> did you see the fucking trailer? I'm no, like, I didn't even watch. I didn't even watch the trailer. I mean, the joke on Halloween is, is that I don't watch any horror movies or any movies made after 1997. Yes, but there's a little bit of truth to that these days because between doing research for Halloween and doing research for Windy City Double Feature, I'm kind of locked into that world. Yeah, because I need to watch all this old stuff. No, I, no. I, I couldn't. I couldn't believe that I actually did sit down for the new Texas Chainsaw Man. Yeah, uh, you're like Parker. Parker's probably watching uh, Red Dawn tonight, right? I'm either that or Paramedics. You know, I don't know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, listen, Mike. Thanks for doing the show. Uh, I don't want to take up more of your time. Um, I, I I had a whole bunch of things here, and I think we covered them all. And uh, I'm so glad that we finally got to uh, chat, man. Thanks for hanging out. At, I'll you, do have me back. Have me back soon. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I, I could just sit. I think I could just sit here and shoot the shit with you guys. Listen, I would have. I, I would. I would have punished you for another hour for sure. But yeah. I actually have to. I, I have to leave. Um. But yeah, we'll definitely do well, it next again. time. We'll do it. We'll do another hour. Uh. In a couple of months. Yeah. What, awesome. what, I'd love to come back and talk to you guys. And yeah, thank you guys for listening to the show uh, because I no bull fucking no bullshit it wouldn't be worth doing if people weren't listening and telling us that they actually do enjoy it and this this guy this motherfucker he's in a fucking band called the romeros i mean how cool is that uh Uh, used to be used to be Uh, but i did go out to dinner with my guitar player and every year there's uh this festival the international pop overthrow festival that comes through chicago and uh every year the guy asks us if we'll if we're ready to do a reunion yeah. And uh, we figured out the math that next year is like the 20th anniversary of the first show or something. Oh, wow. So we shall see what happens. All right. Last question then. Day of the Dead or Dawn of the Dead? Dawn. Okay. I go day. But... but day has the more impressive special effects makeup. Yes, yeah, for sure. Dawn yeah. has a better story, though. Day's biggest problem <laughs> is that it's just doing 
what we've already seen before in Dawn and Night, but I don't think as well. But all three of them are good, and I didn't much care for Land of the Dead. I fucking just like just like the Star Wars thing. I remember going to the theater 2005 and thinking like, okay, this is it. You know, 10 years later, like and I and I just remember watching it. And, you know, somewhere along the way, like 30 minutes in, I was like, yeah, I just don't think this is going to get better. We can put a pin into this for another conversation. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, yeah. I want to talk about this because something I remembered from going to see Land of the Dead. So that was during the George Bush administration, right? And this is something that Joe Bob Briggs talks about a lot, about text versus subtext. And I like subtext. Text sometimes is aggravating uh, when you're dealing with social commentary and horror movies because it's beating you over the head so much. And I remember walking out of Land of the Dead and saying, you know, I really didn't like it. And I remember somebody saying to me, but what about the message about how they're going up north and how it, you know, it relates to people moving out? I'm like, yeah, that's all well and good. But the movie just wasn't that great. Yeah, yeah. That's not uh, a message does not a good movie make. No. And I wouldn't mind talking about that in depth with you guys. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. So next one to be continued. Mike, you're the man. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you very much for having me, guys. Thank I, you, Mike. My pleasure. Bye.